Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. Uh, my name's Tim Seckler. I'm your host. Uh, today, I am joined by uh, the other attorney from my law firm, Roxanne Julian. Say hi to everybody, Roxanne. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. Uh, Roxanne uh, does a lot of our long-term care planning cases in the law firm. And I asked her to come on and just kind of introduce her to the people that listen to the show every weekend in in case you uh, have an opportunity to meet her somewhere along the way. She does some estate planning, but she really uh, carries the bulk of the workload when it comes to folks in the nursing home and and, uh, and doing long-term care planning. Um, Before we get into all of that, if you have not heard about – if you've not heard the show, if you've not heard about our law firm before, the Secular Law Firm – is uh, your family's partner in all things estate planning, elder law, estate administration work, post-death planning. We are headquartered in Mars, Pennsylvania, but we uh, we serve uh, pretty much every county in western Pennsylvania one way or another. We have offices in Newcastle, Butler, um, in Allegheny County, and out in Somerset County now. So we've helped people from Somerset to Erie and and back and forth. And so uh, if you have elder law issues, if you have elder law questions, asset protection, trying to protect your home or other uh, resources from the nursing home, or just more general estate planning questions, wills and trusts and powers of attorney, uh, we can help you with that at any point in time. Uh, And we'll chat a little bit more about that later. So um, I'm going to take this chance to introduce to you Roxanne Julian, who is the other law firm and the other lawyer in the office. She's an awesome person to be around. Uh, Roxanne, why don't you kind of give everybody your background before you came to the law firm? Absolutely. I've been an attorney for 20 plus years now, and I have a wide legal background with not only estate planning and Medicaid work, but I've also handled Social Security disability cases and a a number of various long-term disability cases. In addition, I've pursued workers' compensation for individuals, but I really enjoy this practice because I, I love helping families protect what they've worked for their whole lives. They're assets and their family home and i hate to see people that don't know about law firms like ours that go through all their money and and uh it's sad because the family can be left with with nothing yeah and and the practice of law for you this the practice of law is actually a second career right right i was actually a registered nurse before i went to law school so that really helps in the medicaid work talking to families who have a loved one who has uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, or uh, various other medical conditions. I can understand what's happening with them, and and it's uh, great to be able to talk to them and lead them in the right direction. Which is awesome. You know, if, if you think about the things that you've done, the, um, you were – you were a nurse, then you got into the practice of law where essentially you're helping people, right? None of the practice areas you name there are, are necessarily contentious. I guess workers' comp can be a little bit, but um, you're not really fighting. You're, you're advocating on behalf of people, Social Security claims, Medicaid applications. And, and you know, if you, if you look at that resume, what it, what it kind of says to me is this is just a person who likes to help people. Um, and, you know, some of this stuff – that we do here 
with the nursing home cases in particular, unfortunately, the, the this legal system that we have that, that requires people to go broke in the event they get sick, it's complicated. I mean, sometimes we feel like tour guides just walking people through a corn maze uh, and, and trying to help them figure out, okay, this is a wrong turn. You don't want to do that with the house. You don't want to do this. And, and, you know, a lot of the time we're just helping them navigate through this complicated process uh, and hopefully along the way helping them protect some assets. So um, <clears throat> now for for people who – may be listening to the thing and and they're saying um all right i keep hearing this word elder law i keep hearing about the nursing home so give me your def and we haven't rehearsed this folks but give me your definition of what elder law is uh and and sort of what you do every day now well with elder law for example most of the time when a family comes to me they're in crisis mode because mom or dad or husband or wife has had something medically happen and now they're facing nursing home care a lot of people think that medicare will cover long-term care they're shocked when they find out that medicare only pays for up to 20 days and then only partially up to 100 days if the person's showing improvement with physical therapy so many times the family calls us and they're in crisis mode and we meet with them and say, okay, take a deep breath because there's still things that we can do at this point in time to get your loved one on Medicaid sooner to pay for long-term care versus spending all their money that they've worked their whole lives for to pay for the long-term nursing home care. Yeah, I mean, we could we could chat about sort of our pet peeves and, and the, the common things that we come across that are that are unfortunate. One of them one of them is this uh, this outright fear of the five year look back period, and and you know it's been my experience that there's a lot of there's people listening to this show right now. There's there's people who know people, um, it, and you know everybody knows somebody whose family is is suffering a long term care issue somewhere along the line, right? I mean it, it would be if you search your mental rolodex somewhere in there, there's somebody whose grandma's is uh, you know has dementia, is concerned about this stuff, or or whatever the case is. And, you know, far too many families go into the nursing home and they don't realize that there's still some things that could be done. You know, Medicaid has this five-year look back that that sort of prohibits you from doing certain things within the five years immediately uh, preceding the the need to apply for benefits. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some other things we can do. And, And often where we're able to find opportunities in the law to help people is okay there's this five-year rule but here's a couple of exceptions to the rule and how can we how can we fit this family's fact pattern into an exception of the rule that ends up with a financial benefit for either the person in the nursing home their spouse the adult kids maybe a disabled child uh and so we you know it's kind of like understanding you know i talked about it as a corn maze but it's kind of like having an overhead map of the corn maze right i mean we we can see the different avenues that we're trying to go down the question is which one makes the most sense in this family, right? So one thing that we always do is we, um, if, if you have someone in a long-term care setting and you're concerned about asset protection, you know, nursing homes cost in Pennsylvania almost $11,000 a month. And so there's not a lot of families, if we if we carry that out for you, you're talking about 130000 bucks 
not a lot of families who can swing that for very long. So um, give us a shout. And then uh, what we always do, if you have a long one, uh, loved one in a long-term care setting or, or concerned about it or about to be in a long-term care setting, we offer free consultations, which Roxanne does a lot of those. And so why don't you tell people what they could expect at that, at that first meeting? Sure. At the first meeting, we meet for approximately an hour, and we go over everything that the family family member is experiencing at this point in time. Many times they're uh, very stressed out, and we kind of walk them through the process of what the next steps are and what information we need so that we can give a good strategy. Every case is different, so you can't go by what you heard a neighbor say happened with their family because every single case is different, and I think that's why I love this practice of law um, even more so, because there are always new, new strategies that we can do for a particular family. There's, for example, some families not only own property, they may also own oil and gas rights, so there are things that we can do in that situation. At the first meeting, we try to get a good picture of the assets involved, if, if it's a married couple, we get assets on both the husband and the wife because many, many times people mistakenly think, well, only the assets in my husband's name count, right? And unfortunately, the answer to that question is no. When you're married, all assets count. The only thing that is excluded is the healthy spouse's IRA or 401k that's their money for their retirement. Other than that, everything in a married case gets put together in one pot, and then we do our strategy from there. So I think a lot of people talk to neighbors and friends and have uh, incorrect information. The most common thing that I hear people say is, well, the nursing home billing department told us that we needed to spend down meaning they were over-resourced. They had too much money to qualify for Medicaid. But many families mistakenly interpret spending down as literally spending down. I hate they that just term. Start, they start spending the yeah, money. I, I hate the term spend down because it, it carries with this connotation that we're going to lose everything. We're going to have spent everything. And, and you know, it, it seems to me like why would I want to spend down? I don't want to spend anything. I'm trying to preserve assets to protect my wife. If, you know, if I'm the stroke patient in the nursing home or whatever, I want to make sure that my wife and my family are okay. I don't want to spend everything. And, and so, you know, I guess Medicaid spend down is this term that gets thought of, thrown around an awful lot. But but you don't have to take it quite so literally. Right. <laughs> what we're really doing is is we're, we're understanding what the assets look like today and what the assets need to look like maybe a couple of weeks from now and what the results of that could be, right? Right, right, exactly. And there are, um, in a Mary case, for example, there are strategies that we use that can preserve the assets and create income to the healthy spouse because the the individual in the nursing home obviously would much prefer the wife or husband to have the assets versus the money just being spent down and paid to the nursing home. Sure. Um, and so, you know, it, it, if if you haven't listened to my stuff in the past, if you haven't listened to the show in the past, at the, at the Seckler Law Firm, uh, we do a couple of different types of cases. So we do post-death administration work, and then we the, the rest of our planning is either what we call sort of a crisis management, that is somebody needs long-term care 
now and, and they're sort of in a financial crisis because, look, $11,000 a month to most families is a financial crisis. Or uh, if, it, if there's not a current long-term care event, we call it pre-planning, right? So that's, that's traditional estate planning, wills and trusts and powers of attorney documents. But um, with an eye toward long-term care, one of the things that I think sort of distinguishes lawyers from each other is everybody sort of has this right idea of what an estate plan looks like. But you have to understand lawyers uh, philosophically differ in what that is. You know, I have a grandfather who had a revocable living trust. There was nothing wrong with the document itself except that it wasn't the right document to use because when he did it, he already had early stages of of uh, dementia and what should have been done at that point in time was an irrevocable trust to help protect assets and so it, it's but the attorney that did it um later shared that he didn't really think that families were should be doing types of planning to protect assets and whatnot and so i, I guess the takeaway for the listeners from from that little story is not every attorney thinks about this the same way um a lot of law firms uh, that do a lot of wills and trusts, they really don't do a lot of asset protection work. And, and one of the things that, that we like to do for our folks who aren't sick but are concerned what happens if they get sick later is we do a lot of asset protection planning ahead of, your, uh, ahead of time, um, playing with the rules of the five-year look-back period, setting up families so that if we think we have five years before we may need a nursing home, we can put assets into trust, we can talk about transfers, we can talk about all types of different things to help families protect their net worth. Um, and if you want to learn more about that, you should check out one of our workshops. So if you go to my website, secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com, or uh, give us a shout at 724-841-1393, you're going to find, at least on the website, you're going to find a link to register for one of our upcoming workshops. So we do it a couple of times a month, and at the workshop, the workshop's free. You come in, we rent a big old space, space everybody out. Everybody wears masks coming in. Uh, they're spaced out. It's kind of like going to a restaurant these days. You wear your mask until you find your spot, and you're at least six to eight feet from other people. Uh, and then you listen to... Uh, just about an hour and a half education session on what is a what does a good will look like? What does a good power of attorney look like? Should you consider a trust, a revocable trust, or an irrevocable trust? You know, all these different things are they're just tools, right? They're just tools that we use to solve a certain problem. Uh, perhaps you're not worried about long-term care, and, and so then you should not be doing long-term care asset protection trusts, right? So the idea is is to provide some education um, so that people know the difference between a will and a trust, between a trust and a power of attorney. What what are these things? And then once we understand the differences between the tools, then we can have some conversation around um, what does this family actually want to do? What are the goals? What are the objectives? That's usually handled in a free initial consultation where we sit down and just, you know, okay, you've been to the workshop, you know a little bit about what we do around here. Tell us about you. You know, what are the things that are important to you? Are you concerned about the fact that you don't have a will? Do we need to get one of your kids named as a power of attorney? Do you want to protect assets? Are you concerned one of your kids may be in need of, of some planning with their inheritance? Maybe they can't manage the money or, or whatever the case is. And so we go through those issues. We do some pre-planning. Um, and then you know, so that's sort of one thing. Check out the workshops. If if you're not comfortable going out in public right now, um, you can find pre-recorded workshops at secularlawfirm.com. There's videos of them 
up on the website. You can check it out that way. <clears throat> but I, I encourage you to come to the live events. It's just better. You can ask questions. You can hear other people's questions, and and it, it seems to be a little bit more interesting. Um, and so so we do the pre-planning. We do the crisis work like Roxanne has been chatting about here. Um, so this episode is airing live for the first – well, not live. It's a recorded show, but we're, we're airing it for the first time on Halloween, right? Uh, and so maybe it'd be fun to go through and just uh, share a couple of, uh, of war stories or maybe some tips and tricks of, of, of different things that we've seen that, that maybe people should be fearful of, right? What are, what, are the, okay. what are the spooky things out there that you should be worried about? One, and, I, and I'll start. One of the ones that really bugs me is, uh, is poorly drafted financial power of attorney. I talk about this a good bit on the show, um, but – when someone calls us and says, dad's in the nursing home, uh, you know, is there anything we can do to protect assets? One of our first five questions is, do you have a power of attorney? And then we need to read it. You know, when, when Roxanne and I are chatting about these, these cases in the hallway around the office, it's, well, okay, so somebody's sick. We think we have a strategy that may work, but what's the power of attorney say? Do we have the legal authority to do the things that we need to do? And so, um, the power of attorney documents almost always need to have some sort of gifting language in them. So if you have a power of attorney, uh, you should take a, a, a look at it and read it. The The default rule in Pennsylvania with, with power of attorney and gifting is is what's called limited gifting or $15,000 a year. So we can do fifteen grand a year to the spouse, to the kids. But that doesn't help us a whole heck of a lot if um, dad is in the nursing home, mom's in the community, she's healthy, and, and there's a good plan that could result from shifting all of his assets to her. If we can give her all of his money, we might be able to protect some of that money. But if the power of attorney only authorizes gifting of $15,000, sometimes our hands are tied. You know, We have to have conversations about, well, could we go to court? Could we get permission? That's not a great uh, fun thing to do. And so um, my opinion for folks who uh, are concerned about this stuff is we, you ought to at least consider unlimited gifting language in the power of attorney. We ought to be able to move big sums of money in the event of a long-term care admission because that could just help us protect assets. So if, uh, if you're concerned about this stuff at all, uh, I'm going to give you something that might keep you up at night. Get a power of attorney and get it updated because if you don't have a good one, this can result in you losing your home, losing significant money uh, because of a poorly drafted uh, power of attorney document. Right. So, I agree. I see that all the time, Tim, and it's sad because if the person doesn't have capacity, we can't do a new power of attorney. If they do have capacity, we do go out to the nursing home and, and we try to get a new one done right away so that we can move forward with protecting their assets. So I, I think it's very important and I always recommend to all my clients that they need to have a good power of attorney. Ones that I see that people have done themselves online through some program online, they always uh, revert to limited gifting because, again, the people that offer these quick, cheap, or even free power of attorney documents online, they're not um, in the practice of elder law and they don't understand why that language is important. Yeah, good good point. All right, what's something else? What's a, um, uh, Of course, we can't do names or anything like that, but and it's something that surprised you when you got into the practice, you, you found Medicaid, sort of some sad situations where a family made a mistake and, and wish they would have reached out to somebody like us sooner. Right. I, one client um, c- 
comes to mind sadly she is single she's in a nursing home and she never realized that things could be done to help her so she took out a, a couple hundred thousand dollar home equity loan on her home and she's been in the nursing home now for over a year and has gone through that money and then finally someone at the nursing home told her to call our law firm and we're trying to help her at this point in time but it's it's a shame because we could have prevented her from taking that two hundred thousand dollar loan and not to mention all the stress and anguish that she's gone through the last year as she's spending down the equity of her home yeah it's uh so you basically there take a, a resource that really doesn't count the home and turn it into cash which does count which obviously sounds like a mistake right off the bat you know Another thing is with the people that um, have done gifting to their kids. You know, this is this. We've got these laws in Pennsylvania that swear they come. You know, you you, you read them and it, it sounds like they're coming out of like the mid uh, medieval times, as draconian as they are. But one of them is this thing called the filial support law that uh, that requires kids to be responsible for a parent's long-term care event. So adult children can be responsible for mom or dad's health care bills in, in Pennsylvania. And it's uh, it usually results from a situation where a family transferred assets to the kids and then and then needed care in the, in, in the next five years, right? It's a violation of the five-year look-back period. Um, and, you know, so this filial support law that can hold uh, the kids liable for care uh, for care costs is uh, only applies if no one else is paying the nursing home. Well, if Medicaid is paying the nursing home, then we don't have to worry about the kids getting sued, right? So the only time it really shows up is if families have made a, a Medicaid mistake, and, and that usually means they've, they've given some money away and, and uh, can result in some, some really bad situations. Now, look, I, I help families plan for this issue all the time. Um, there are pre-planning strategies to employ, but we typically don't advise people to give this stuff to their kids because you never know if you can get it back. You know, your kid could have a divorce. Your kid could be a lawsuit. Your kid could turn into a jerk. And if you put the house into the kids' names, you know, you've sort of given up control of that asset. Uh, and we don't know that we can get it back in the next five years if you get sick. So this this gifting of the house to the kids, when I, whenever I read the newspaper and I see, you know, Mr. Jones to Mr. Jones for a dollar in the real estate transaction section, I think, man, somebody probably didn't talk to that family much about the five-year look-back period because that's a pretty risky move, let alone probably a tax mistake. But that's a pretty risky move to be making. So that's that's kind of something that, that uh, people do a lot of, you know, and, and can get themselves in, in, into trouble with it. Any other, any other scary things to avoid you got? Well, the power of attorney is a big one. That That's scary. And also, uh, many times families decide to gift money and they're they're not realizing by giving ten thousand dollars away that results in a one-month penalty period that medicaid won't pay for their care so we prefer that families don't gift on their own don't spend down on your own call us and we'll figure out the best strategy for you and do spending down the right way yeah look the initial consultation is free uh and what do you have to lose with the nursing home if you're if you're going through 10 grand a month you know it, it's uh i think the the thing that that happens unfortunately a lot of the time is families kind of freeze they're confused by this this complicated system and they just don't do anything for several months and and all the while there's 10 grand a month going out the door that 
could have been saved. So if you find yourself, if you are in this situation, if you know somebody in this situation, have them look, uh, just reach out. Um, SecklerLawFirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R LawFirm.com. Um, it, we can do free initial consultations for anybody that's having a long-term care event currently. If you want to learn more about some of how this stuff works, uh, should you use a will, should you use a trust, you should check out one of our workshops. Uh, we hold them uh, right off Route 228 in, uh, in Seven Fields at a place called The Well. It's really uh, a convenient place. It's a big event. We used to have them there, and we could have 50, 60 people in there. But since COVID, we're limiting it to 20 so everybody can can stay uh, spaced out. So you may have to you may have to wait a week or two to get into them. But these workshops, most people find them valuable. So I would encourage you to check out if you are concerned about how to protect your stuff from long-term care. Uh, the difference between wills and trusts and powers of attorney, if you have any questions for me, et cetera. Um, otherwise, um, I, uh, I thank you for listening. Thanks for joining um, Roxanne and myself for today's show. Uh, if you happen to have any things you would like to know more about, reach out to us. You can email me at radio at secklerlawfirm.com if you have a, a, an idea for a future episode of the show. If you've got questions, uh, if you have an idea for a guest, if you're in the healthcare community and you'd like to be a guest, uh, legal questions, again, email us at radio at secklerlawfirm.com, and we will address those issues uh, at that time. Uh, remember, folks, the Life and Legacy Show is uh, for your education and entertainment. While we may have some lively legal discussion, nothing in the show should be considered legal advice. We talk a lot in generalities, but your specific legal problem needs a specific legal solution, and you should hire a lawyer. If you need help, we're available at 724-841-1393, or you can find out more anytime at secklerlawfirm.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll check you at the same time next week. Thanks. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.